Hello and welcome into Fantasy Focus Football. It is Wednesday, November 16th. Today's show is presented by Geico. Switch to Geico. See all the ways that you could save. Let's go. Daniel Field and Stefania here hanging out. And I got to say this. We got snow last night. We had our first snow of the season. Oh, why are you guys' faces so mad? In case happening? you're not because watching. Because it was 70 degrees and I was wearing a tank top on Saturday <laughs> at a football game. I'm from California. This is what we prefer. But it was snowing last night, and Field is dressed for the occasion. I, I wanted to retire last night. I'm not <laughs> sure from what. I think Connecticut in general yeah. was my first thought. Yeah. Snow? Snow really? was number two. I snow? Know. It was like snow. 8 o'clock last night. And of yeah. course, it gets pitch black here at like 2.30. Right. All right? So we've been dark for five and a half hours. So I had no idea what the concept of time or what day it was. Yeah. Snow? Yeah. Come on, man. We it's not even Thanksgiving mix, yet. So I thought it might like just... Spit snow, but no, yeah. it was coming down. Oh, we we had some collection. Grass. Yeah, we had some collection. Yeah. Not fun. Yeah. Anyways, at least we have fantasy football going for us. We're gonna be just like Buffalo yes. this week. Oh. <laughs> We're gonna get into that maybe a little bit later in the week as we see how that works out. There may be some weather up in Buffalo this week. We will maybe. Find out. Yeah. All right. Let's start off with some news here today. In today's show, we have news. We're talking a bunch of miscellaneous fantasy topics that we just want to be able to get to stuff that we've had burning in our hearts for a MTZ while. Easy bucket just needs to get out. That's yeah. right. We're going to talk a little news or noise towards the end of the show. Maybe take some listener questions. So send in some questions uh, on Twitter and on YouTube. Our good buddy, Kyle Sapi. Uh, I'm pointing behind me at this screen, which <laughs> yes. you don't realize. There's a room behind this screen where, where Kyle is hanging out in the podcast room answering Kyle's questions. house. Yeah. Kyle actually lives there. He like lives the, there. He has a little like sleeping bag. Exactly. Behind the curtain. Uh, Have so you guys seen that questions. guy on TikTok who goes up to random people? I don't think it's that random, but he goes to people in New York. He lives in the city yep. and he goes up to him and just says like, hey, how much is, is your rent per month? And the person says, oh, you know, I spend whatever. And in New York, it's like, yeah, I've got a one bedroom. I spend eight grand on it per yeah. month. And it's like, oh, that sounds about right for New York. And then he's like, can I see it? And they go and tour the person's apartment. And <laughs> no, that's a serious I mean, level of like, like trust yes. right off the bat. Like, I'm assuming there's some paper signs. Right? Like, yeah. But of course, like, Come on up. but he, he definitely covers like a wide range of people, right? Yeah. Like. One so time we're going he, from room raider to apartment yeah, raider. Well, he goes up one day and it's like, oh, I happened to see Barbara Corcoran on the street. You know, of course, the the legendary investor, Shark Tank, et cetera, yeah. very successful real estate entrepreneur. And so she goes, they go to her apartment. It's just like the most spectacular thing ever, right? <laughs> then like the next TikTok video is a guy who like his nap area is like there's this tiny space underneath his bed where he doesn't have storage. And, that's and he worse. just, he pulls himself by the frame <laughs> under his bed far enough where it's really dark because apparently he has like bad natural lighting otherwise. Sure. Yeah, so he, he's on the garden level and he's like, well, it's a pretty sweet apartment. It's 210 square feet. It only cost me six grand a month. I have two roommates, but it's pretty reasonable. But it's pretty, yeah, not yeah, bad. So that's, that's sort of what Kyle's got yeah, back Kyle's there. Kyle's got a bunker back there. Yeah, that's what I was getting that's at. True. Yeah. Go I check it out. Sure, I forget what the guy's name is on TikTok. TikTok, but, but now I'm fascinated. I'm not, I'm not afraid to admit that I have spent way too much time on talk recently. Yeah. You know, sometimes that happens. You get down those rabbit holes, those yeah. wormholes, whatever you want to yeah. call it's it. It's so bad, Daniel. Oh, it's tough. Like I, wow, I well, must have okay. watched way too many of that Megan Trainer dance last night. You want to know why you were doing that field? It's because you didn't want to be able to face the reality of what's Cooper happening Cup. in the fantasy world because yeah. Cooper right, Cup yeah, is so here. frustrating. Yeah. Stefania, I'm just going to hand it over to you and let you talk to us about what is next for Cooper Cup. Well, what's next is surgery. We're recording this podcast at 10 a.m. Cooper Cup is scheduled to have a tightrope procedure on his uh, right ankle. He had a high ankle sprain. 
is having the surgery done in Los Angeles today. Uh, we, we hear about the tie rope. Maybe people are familiar with the term, but essentially they take a, a device implant that stabilizes that ankle and then allows you to progress with your rehabilitation while the ankle ligaments are in fact healing. So uh, they insert the implant. You can see it through this little video we're showing through a, a plate on the fibula side of the ankle, through bone tunnels into the tibia. And it brings those lower leg bones closer together because when you tear the ligaments, you can disrupt the normal joint position there. And that's why players struggle so much or can struggle in, with serious injuries with instability. And so um, they basically realign it and then they repair the ligament on top of it, reinforce that, and allow it to heal. Here's the thing. Most times, roughly six weeks, give or take, depending on the athlete, the position, all of the nuances of the individual injury. Look at the timeline of where six weeks, even if it was four, they're going to put them on injured reserve. Uh, even if it so was at sooner. Least four. It's yeah. at least four. I just, I, I, you have to wonder where the Rams will be. I mean, Cooper Cup's always going to try to come back. He's one of the best examples of rehab. We've talked about this before. After he tore his ACL in 2018, came back the next year. Think about all the players this year who tore their ACL and came back and sort of the ups and downs of the various individuals. Cooper Cup came back over 1,000 receiving yards, 10 touchdowns, never missed a game. Hmm. It's unheard of because of the way he handled his rehab. And he also had a good surgeon. So here we go again with uh, round two. And I think he'll do very, very well. And the other thing to take away from this, I think this is really important for his long-term health. He had a significant enough of an injury to require this surgery. You want to feel better about him going forward for the rest of his career and not think, boy, this ankle could give him problems off and on, whether it was this year or next year when he comes back. So sure. uh, I'm not saying he's done for the season. We, that has yet to play itself out, but I think it's at least a possibility if the Rams are looking like the Rams have been looking. And uh, why would you be rushing him back? What do you? Can, I just want to ask this question, Field, and you might not have a better answer than I do. Okay, but like if you roster Cooper Cup and you're a playoff team, there's really nothing you can do about it. I mean, you're just throwing him on IR and hoping that maybe he comes back. Yeah, right, if you're at the top of the heap. You would do it. I mean, what if you're the middle of the pack, though? Is there a way the that pack, you can I think try? There are two and options here because I have the situation in a league where I am in very, I'm in a good spot to make the playoffs. I probably am not in a good spot to win a bunch of like, to go the whole way. Sure, unless Cooper Cup is back or I can replace him with somebody. A team yesterday at the top of the league made me an offer. I was just gonna say that offer me yesterday, and this was a starting point, so I did not accept it. But just sure. just a, a thought process here. They offer me Curtis Samuel for Cooper Cup. And it's not that Curtis Samuel lights my world on fire for fantasy, but if I, there's, there's a chance I, I don't know what percent, but there's a chance that I have eight weeks of Curtis Samuel seven, cause they have a buy or I have zero weeks with Cooper cup, right? What's more valuable, right? Even if Curtis Samuel stinks, it's more valuable. So I think if you're in the middle of the pack and you have Cooper cup, this is your chance to do the rare situation where you can go to the top of the league and say, you're so good. Like, can I have your top bench wide receiver, or maybe even your second bench wide receiver? Give it a shot. That's Something. how we'll be approaching it. Yep. Because if you don't have that playoff spot know. locked up, you've got to get there before yeah. Cooper right. Cup can be back. Listen, Cooper Cup might return, as Stefania just said. He could be back. It's week 11 now. Maybe he's back in week 16 or 17. Maybe. Right. Maybe. Maybe. And then it's just for your playoffs, which, by the way, you have to make. In order to be able, yeah, to I was going to say he may be back, so. but again, my team again, I think my team is uh, my team is comfortably in the playoffs. There, I don't unless things change with other players. I don't think that I have a team that's currently equipped to topple some of the teams at the very top of the league. Sure, on average. So if I can get my my, I'm just 
Maybe it's not Cooper Cup. Uh, maybe it's not Curtis Samuel, but maybe it's somebody who's, we'll talk about in a bit, like maybe a Deontay Johnson, right? Who hasn't been great either, but probably a little more value than Curtis Samuel and players in that sort of range that um, are maybe Jacoby Myers, right? I'm just thinking of guys who are like, you know, maybe like eight to 15 point per game type of guys on most weeks that that person could view as expendable, but might bring value to me because right now it's like, I'm trying to replace Cooper cup of like Ben Skoranek or something. Yeah. That's interesting. Now that I've said that, I'll probably go off for 20 points. No, that's week. fair. That's fair. Yeah, I like that though. Uh, really quickly, Allen Robinson, only two weeks better than wide receiver 40 with no, no, uh, Cooper cup field. You and I have him in the same tier as is pretty much everyone. You've got him at wide receiver 28. I've got him at wide receiver 32. We're all right in that same range, but keep this in mind, people. Keep this in mind. When I say you think, oh, wide receiver 20, that's fairly optimistic. This week alone, no Christian Kirk, no two Bucks wide receivers, no two Seahawks wide receivers, no two, Dolphins. no two Dolphins wide receivers, no Cooper Cup, other top wide receivers who are not playing this week. So wide receiver 28 is really more like wide receiver 40 on an average week. Yeah, Jamar Chase right Jamar now. Chase is, is out. out. We'll see what happens yeah. with the Chargers. So just as an example of all these players that are not available and he can only make it to wide receiver 28. So the the, the positive indicator is that he plays a ton. We talked about this before. And yeah. it's not like they have a bunch of other great receivers. The negative indicators, it hasn't been good. We don't know if Matthew Stafford will play on Sunday. He is still in the concussion protocol as of yesterday. And if that doesn't change, you tell me how confident you would be after what we saw this past Sunday from John Wolford and Bryce Perkins. Not great. Not great field. All right, Stefania, let's talk about this next one. Unfortunately, Dallas Goddard is going to miss some extended time here. Yet another tight end lost for what looks to be multiple weeks. And this one flew under the radar because there was a controversial call at the same time as Dallas Goddard got injured, may recall that there was a face mask penalty that was not called, should have been called as a penalty, was not. So he was grabbed by the face mask. While he was grabbed, the commander's defensive tackle, John Ridgway, was able to get the ball out of his hands. And then Goddard goes down and Ridgway falls on top of him and he landed hard on his left shoulder. And because of all the confusion around the call and what happened with the change of possession, not a lot of people saw it, but I was watching Goddard. You could see that he was in a great deal of pain. He ended up coming back into the game, but uh, further testing revealed something. They haven't shared the nature of the injury just yet, but they expect him to miss multiple weeks. So not great for fantasy. Yeah, I would say, you know, the, the silver lining is, of course, that there's like 38 to 40 wide, uh, tight ends we trust every week in yeah. fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Super deep position. Oh, yeah. right. Right. Actually, in NFL history, there have been 38, 38 to 40 tight ends, ends we've and, actually yes, ever trusted. Exactly. Yeah, this is a huge bummer because Goddard has been good. There's not an obvious next man up in Philly, right? Yeah. Goddard became the guy after replacing Zach Ertz when he was traded last year. Jack Stoll has played some snaps for them. Tyree Jackson's been hovering around for them. We'll see how they go about this in Philly. But my guess is that it means that they'll just sort of involve the tight end spot a little bit less going forward. So there are some names right now on the waiver wire. Certainly Eric Moody told you about them, but a couple few that come to mind that we're not going to talk about later on in the show include Foster Moreau for the Raiders who played a ton last week in place of Darren Waller out for three more weeks. Uh, I do think there is some value there. Uh, Trey McBride, who I think we have on the show note here, but I may be wrong. We talked, we, okay. yeah. We're going to talk about Trey. And tomorrow. we talked okay. about him yesterday. yesterday. But so yeah, another name to keep in mind would be yeah. Trey McBride. There are, there are a few tight end names that are hovering. You got to get lucky, obviously, but there yeah. are a few that are hovering around Harrison Bryant for the Browns. If David Njoku is out too early to tell whether Njoku will play on Sunday. Here's a question. And this is nothing to do with fantasy. I'm just, this is a football conversation. I have it. Let's do it. But if, the point of going to instant replay to be able to see if the fumble actually occurred and you get there because you, the point is to get the play right. Base pass. And you see an obvious penalty. 
it can't be about the point of getting the play right then anymore. Yeah, well, unfortunately, when they went down this rabbit hole a couple of years ago by making all kinds of infractions reviewable, the games got delayed significantly, and it felt like it was just a coaching challenge flag fest every single game. So you're right, Daniel, because uh, there are Eagles fans who I think were justifiably upset with a couple of the calls in the game. The late roughing the passer of Taylor Heineke, which by the letter of the law might have been a roughing the passer, but is it like spirit of the the rule? I don't know. They made it when I went to the league meetings. Uh, yeah. What was it a month ago? Yep. That this came up because everybody oh, the roughing the. Why p- did you drop this? It was the league meetings name. You just dropped that. <laughs> you went to the league meetings for the NFL. Sorry. Whatever. Some of us are just you know we do we do our work. Yeah, so Phil and I went to Wendy's work- that day. Just so you know, <laughs> like no deal. We go where the work takes us. But they yeah. were talking about Got this exact awesome. thing. <laughs> But With they didn't fries. Have those at the one league. Of fries dipped in the one frosty of us is really trying good. to get information to the people. I'm okay. so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, no, but they were talking about the roughing the passer because that was right when there was all this, uh, you know, I was going to say hullabaloo. And then I was, I like, was going to say hullabaloo. I swear. <laughs> it's you. It's oh, I wish I was going to say show it. Is, we cannot get a thought out. We ha- we're having trouble. It's Wednesday. We're back but on track. The bottom line is they were talking about the roughing the passer. And one of the things that. Uh, that that they were saying of as to why they weren't diving into this, they said they made a point of not looking at things where intent was mm-hmm. defined. And a lot of these penalty calls, it's about intent. Roughing the passer being one of them. Are you trying to take the guy to the ground? Are you trying to do it too aggressively? Sure. So they just said, look, we're, we're going to make it this way. And if it's anything close to appearing like they're actually roughing the passer, we're calling it. I think the face mask feels different to me because – like it is or it isn't. Right. Like you it's are grabbing the face yep. mask. And from an injury standpoint, I hate the fa- face mask and the horse collar, the two things I hate the most because yeah. of the injuries associated with them. And if you grab the face mask hard enough and pull on it, you can actually dislocate a vertebrae in the neck. I think people yeah. don't even think about that. But in addition, if you Goddard got hurt randomly, but a lot of knee injuries, lower leg injuries happen from face mask as well. Wow. So yeah, no, I agree. My soapbox. All right. my, my 30 seconds just to add on this is I've thought about the, the quarterback thing a ton. It's really simple, guys. It's really, really simple. The NFL will continue to err on the side of extreme caution for this reason and this reason only. Face of if the league. Worst case scenario ever took place and a seemingly harmless hit on Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or Lamar Jackson left them out for the rest of the season. NFL is a worse product as a result of it. Right. If multiple happen in the same year, it's a war- way worse product, right? Yep. It's just the way that it works. Yep. Think of how NFL has been so blessed for the past 30 years, 25 years to have Brady and Manning and Breeze and Rodgers. But like as great as other players have been, we don't think of it as the Ladanian Tomlinson era of the early 2000s, right? We think of the Tom Brady era. That's mm-hmm. what it is. Or the Peyton Manning era. It's the quarterback driven league. They're going to err on the side of caution. It's going to bother all of us when we see dumb penalty flags. I expect them to continue. Yeah. Me too. Cool. That was a fun segue. All right. Let's talk about some miscellaneous fantasy topics that we got here. And we're just going to just sort of ping pong around the room. Some stuff we wanted to talk about. Field, let's start with you, I believe, because you brought Deontay Deontay Johnson Johnson to the table. I got some feeling this week. Uh Uh-oh. I got some feeling. You've said this a couple times this year. No, but this one I got some feeling on. So (laughs) last week, Chris Godwin, I think, was second in the NFL. Kyle can fact check this on the fly here. In terms of target seen without a touchdown, maybe he was first ahead of Deontay Johnson. It's close. Those two guys, I think, were the final two who had like 70 targets without a touchdown this season. Chris Chris Godwin got off the schneid. 
Deontay Johnson has had a ton of targets once again this season. He's got uh, 81 through nine games, so that's nine targets per game. Despite the fact that he only had five last week, the first game without Chase Claypool for the Steelers, I think he has plenty of volume on Sunday against the Bengals. The Bengals right now are very thin at cornerback. They have dealt with a number of injuries on, on both sides of the ball, obviously. Jamar Chase probably being the headliner, but Chidobe Awuzie is probably was their best cornerback. He's out for the season due to a torn ACL. Now they picked things up the last game out before their bye, but I got a feeling on Deontay Johnson. He still hovers where he has, which is wide receiver 18 in my ranks, wide receiver 20 in Daniels, wide receiver 22 in the ESPN consensus ranks. Again, seven fantasy relevant wide receivers on a bye. Others like Cooper Cup and Jamar Chase out, probably a little bit lower on average, but. I have a feeling Deontay Johnson picks things up the rest of the way. Just, uh, this week specifically, I think he picks things up, has a better game on Sunday. I That's think my, my, my thought. There I think I'm with this. I mean, sooner or later, with the amount of target that just he is bound getting, to happen, right? Yep. Just you're talking there about. There we go. Kyle's confirmed it. Sorry. What is it? Deontay was. was first. Chris Godwin was second. So Deontay, we got Godwin off the Schneid. Okay, it's time to get Deontay off the Schneid as well, right? How do you do that? I throw him the ball. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this stat's amazing. You, you guys have heard. We, I think we used this last week. I can't remember. If we did, my bad. Do you guys know the Steelers have yet to score a touchdown of ten yards or longer this year? That's yeah. It is, it's hard to believe. Like so. Like I just so. I feel. I, I don't know that I'm totally bought in on Deontay. Like just rediscovering his magic for the rest of the season. He was never a high volume touchdown guy. Feels like he's due. Feels like the Steelers are due for a touchdown that's not one yard. Got a feeling there. Oof. I mean. Yeah. It <laughs> Talk feels about like, regression. There's a part positive of positive regression. In yep. my head, I, my I, I wanted to make a board bet saying Deontay Johnson is not no. going to score a touchdown the rest of the That's a red zone question, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a Kevin you, Paulson And also, gift. that doesn't feel good. I don't want to do, do that. That's the thing. That. I want to root do for that. people that's to get not, in the Yeah, end yeah, yeah. Don't do that. Okay. All right, let's talk about another player here, and Christian Watson. Let's. Stefania, is this from you? Yeah, this is from me. Okay. Because Christian Watson, I, I had slated too. to be a breakout receiver this year. You know, when we have to do all these things and we're guessing who's going to Did you go back good. and look at that article too when you were asked to give names for this um, list? Because I did the same thing. I, I think some of it's burned into my skull oh. because especially the ones that you're not hitting on, you're yeah. like, oh yeah, I remember that I, remember I had really high ball. hopes for Christian Watson, but then we had the injury during the OTAs and then he's been basically injured mm-hmm. the majority of the season. And when he's played, hasn't been great. Um, really no chemistry with Aaron Rodgers and we know that trust is a big issue with him when it comes to his receiver. Receivers. Well, guess what happened this weekend? All of a sudden, Christian Watson, week 10 against Dallas, 107 receiving yards and three touchdowns. Three. Weeks one through nine, 88 receiving yards total and zero touchdowns. Now, granted, he wasn't playing every week, but still, this is a big deal. And if you look at the difference in his average depth of target this last week, Alan Lazard, two yards. Sammy Watkins, 15.7. Christian Watson, 20.5. So your volume of yardage, your catch opportunities. And the thing that to me, why this matters is we've been looking for who's it going to be. And we thought Romeo Dobbs was going to have this great uh, connection with Rogers seemed to be on an upward trend, but of course he's out multiple weeks with an injury of his own. So Christian Watson have coming off a good week where Aaron Rodgers trusts you. And I want to tell you, there's a quote, Aaron Rodgers in talking to the reporters on Monday was asked if the offense is where he he wants it to be. And one of the things he said there, he gave a long answer, but one of the things he said, he goes, 
I don't know. You have ideas about how things are going to be, I think, when the season starts. And you don't know what can happen injury-wise and play style and which guys are going to play really good and which guys are going to struggle maybe a little bit. And I think that was his way of saying it wasn't. It didn't look pretty at the start of the season, but you're now starting to feel like you can trust some of them. So I think Christian Watson going forward um, could no. No, you're shaking no. your head. I like, think this no. is a fascinating conversation because I, I see all of the things that you are saying. The idea it's hard not to look at Christian Watson, where he was drafted, who Aaron Rodgers historically has been. Right, like it's tough because Aaron Rodgers has just sucked this year, but he's still. Capital A Aaron Rodgers because he's been in the NFL for like 25 years. Other than when he plays the Lions. Other than when he plays the Detroit Lions. So from that, you know, from all of that, you know, looking at it, it, it's hard not to say maybe this is a rookie that's starting to develop some chemistry towards the second half of the season. Oftentimes when Aaron Rodgers and the Packers start to get their stuff together and maybe it might be a guy to take a dart throw on like there's or to feel like he could be a bigger part of this offense there is still though this trepidation for me because i've seen so many bad packers games this year so it's like yeah, sure. I, I see both of those things and it's tough for me to know how much confidence do i have in either side of it because i think either way could play out um, but everything you said, Stefania, I don't disagree with. It's just my level of confidence in Christian Watson I, in this offense. Yeah, I don't. I think he's an upside play. Yep. <clears throat> and especially with so many wide receivers that are really good out this week, he might be somebody that you have to fill in and flex. Yeah. He was an awesome spot last week also for DFS. It was one of those like, oh man, no Romeo Dobbs. He's so cheap and, mm. and easy guy to throw in there. Made so you some money. That he worked definitely out. definitely made some money. I want to talk about Michael Thomas. Do you guys mind? Um, yeah. Have at it. So our, our buddy Damien Dabrowski <laughs> yes, has a uh, talking anyway. So go ahead. Our buddy Damien Dabrowski, who is in our dynasty league, uh, has Michael Thomas and he's texted me. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be able to pay anyone to take Michael <laughs> Thomas away from me in this league. I have no idea. And it, it just made me think about a lot of stuff. Michael Thomas, as we've talked about 149 catches in 2019 field, mm-hmm. he has 56 catches since he's played 10 games since the beginning of 2020. I don't really think I even know who Michael Thomas is anymore. And when I look at the Saints offense, you know, obviously it's all about Chris Olave, but thinking ahead to the future, there's no future right here for, you know, this year for the rest for Michael Thomas with him being on IR. What level of confidence could you possibly have in this player going forward when you look at next year? How do you look at Michael Thomas and say, I've seen all of the things that he's been through over the last two years. I've Mm -hmm. seen the player that he used to be. It feels like the player that Michael Thomas used to be just doesn't exist anymore. And now as we have another season on our hands where he wasn't able to make it through, through fully healthy. And even when he was healthy, he wasn't capital D dominant. I just don't really know how to look at Michael Thomas and feel like he's still in that elite category of wide receivers anymore. Part of our job in fantasy is to try to forecast things that have the narrowest range of outcomes or the most likely things to happen, right? That's why Josh Allen, not every week, is going to be the highest scoring quarterback, but is going to be ranked one, two, maybe three at the very lowest every single week because he has a better chance than anybody to be a high scoring quarterback, maybe outside of Justin Fields right now. Um, Michael Thomas, though, is, and this is only a dynasty conversation because obviously he has no redraft value for the rest of 2022, is a great fence-sitting example. I don't think Michael Thomas is going to be a saint next year. So I think you have to decide right away what kind of player you think he's going to be, whether you think that there's a chance, like how many offenses could he go to that you'd say to yourself immediately, like, all right, we're back. The answer is probably not that many. There's really not that many teams that you could say, all right, Michael Thomas signed with the the bills and all of a sudden he's going to be Michael Thomas. Like we knew him once before he's turning 30 in March, by the way. So he'll be 30 when yeah. he plays. So for I think team. this is just a classic 
if you are acquiring Michael Domus in Dynasty, you are a like I don't know if buy low is the right categorization because you know he, he, who knows like his future may be outside of football beyond this year, right? He may say I'm done, I'm good, I made a ton of money and I'm done. I I don't think that's the case, but you have no clue what could happen with Michael Thomas beyond this season. You have no idea when or if he'll be healthy, fully healthy ever again. So this is just a what do you want to talk yourself into? If you want to talk yourself into the idea that Michael Thomas can defy health, he can defy age. Mike has been big on this in the past. Like 29 is often a point where we see a precipitous drop yep. for wide receivers. They go from prime to post prime pretty quickly. Mike as in Mike Clay, not Michael Clay, Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that Mike Thomas, Michael Thomas is more Larry Fitzgerald or AJ Green? Because AJ Green, it kind of went from like just down, right? And he's gotten a couple of contracts with the Cardinals, but not the same player. Not the same, not player, the same player, obviously. So yeah, just this is a classic fence sitting evaluation. I really wanted to see Michael Thomas. It, I wanted to see him be healthy this year and look like the Michael Thomas that we knew. He looked pretty. He looked pretty he good when he was healthy. Early, yeah, he but he good. just he stayed he healthy had, for yeah, what a cup yeah, of coffee, three games, I right, mean, or two it. games, whatever yeah. it was, three games. Yeah. All right, Sorry. we're gonna move on to Chase Claypool. Yeah, this is me. So this one's Chase more Claypool not even ranked this week for our wide receivers, and this is again, this is. The, the, the thought process behind these players is not like, wow, like I'm going to tell you to start Chase Claypool. What I'm curious about with Chase Claypool is the Bears obviously really value this player. They traded the second round pick for him and he looked really good in his first game with Chicago in a very limited sample size. Then he was basically a non-factor this past week for Chicago well, to in be their fair, game against Detroit. Really good secondary. Yeah. Well, yeah. And Justin Field only had like 40 fantasy points. That's so it. I guess yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. That, they, what, yeah. The Bears only scored 30, I think. Yeah, is like that right? Yeah. Um, but in any event... So he has three catches in two games for does Chase, does Chase Claypool with the Chicago Bears. And part of me is like, I know that the acquisition for Chase Claypool was about like a future alongside Justin Fields. It was not about the first three games after it. At the same time, I do think when you acquire a player like Chase Claypool, as we've seen with the Chiefs and Kadarius Toney, there is a desire to get that player involved. Yeah. It's a great matchup against Atlanta. And I wonder if at some point... At some point, there's a game where it's like Chase Claypool comes out and has six catches for 91 yards and a touchdown. And we're like, okay, now it's time. Now it's Chase Claypool time. And because the spot is so good against Atlanta, a team that has struggled so much in the secondary, you don't have to worry about, I think the game is in Atlanta, by the way. You don't have to worry about weather elements, obviously, at all this week. I think this is a chance for Chase Claypool to maybe assert himself as not fully formed version of Chase Claypool Bears wide receiver, but get on track a little bit. Yeah, I I kind of feel like between just, Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet, I've been on Chase Claypool each of the last two weeks in Daily Fantasy waiting for that breakout to oh, happen, especially yeah. last week with against the Detroit Lions. And it's been Cole Komet and it's been Darnell Mooney. And it's been frustrating because I'm with you. When you trade a, for a second round pick for a guy, a big bodied wide receiver for a quarterback that needs to be able to throw the ball a little bit more, I, I would think that there would be a little bit more upside in the short term, like you said, because of that Kadarius Tony effect, you want to get him involved in your offense. And so I'm hoping and I want to believe with you, Field. I've been burned the last two weeks, so I can't do it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have rank, so it's not like I'm really oh, okay. like, well, I'm just, like what, I, what yeah, I'm yeah. monitoring is hey, Does at it some happen? point, there's, at some point there's going to be the Chase Claypool game, right. right? Is this the right spot for it? Is it? We'll see. I hope so. I sure hope so too. I hope so. Let's talk about Rondell Moore. Yeah, this is me again. Rondell Moore's and a little bit exciting. Yeah, you know, this is just, um, there are times where you think about like the fantasy football season in segments. And obviously Rondell Moore at the beginning of the season was unavailable. He was hurt, but preseason he was generating 
a decent amount of hype as like the Cardinals have massive plans for Rondell Moore and he gets hurt. And for the first, I don't know, three or four weeks, he's a virtual non-factor. He's become a fantasy star over these past few weeks. And what I wonder with Rondell Moore is how much sustainability there is to this, because we talked about this a little bit yesterday, is that eventually Hollywood Brown is going to return. Cliff Kingsbury said it will be no later than December 12th, which is still a ways away. I think that's week 14 or 15. So we're still a ways away from when Hollywood Brown will definitely be back. That's dangerous words, by the way. Definitely. De- definitely yeah. coming back from yeah. a... He won't mid- suffer a setback. From yeah. an injury like that, yeah. Yeah, and a team okay. that also is sort of teetering, right? right? Like if they're four games back of San Francisco by then, is it worth, mm. you know, a guy you got to pay a lot of money to? So anyways, so consistent has Rondell Morbin over the past three weeks. He has seven or more catches in each of those games. And he doesn't necessarily need a ton of big play upside. I don't know that there's like a perfect comparison for Rondell Moore. He kind of has shades of like Julian Edelman back in the day where you don't need a ton of yards. You don't even necessarily need a handful of touchdowns. I said you don't need a ton of touchdowns, like eight or 10 is probably not in the cards for Rondell Moore, but I love the utilization right now. And this is a player who, if you were patient during the first four or five weeks of the season, he's become a lineup block. He has been awesome for the Cardinals. And I, I, Still continue to think this team is going to have to throw the ball a ton. By the way, in a week last week when the Rams offense totally cratered without Matthew Stafford, the Cardinals did not. Colt McCoy kept them very much afloat. So even if Kyler is out on Monday Night Football, it's a bad matchup against San Francisco, of course. But you can function this offense with Colt McCoy at a much higher level than we saw from the Rams. And we've seen it from other teams that have had to turn to their backup quarterback. Well, so here's my question, Field. We watched earlier in the season Greg yeah. Dorich when he wasn't there, be able to fill this role. And he filled it in really well from a fantasy perspective, a bunch of double-digit fantasy point games. And then you have Greg Dortch, you know, be replaced by Rondell Moore once he gets healthy. And it feels like a lot of that production continues. That that role within this offense feels like Rondell Moore is obviously slightly better player than Greg Dortch is. But once Hollywood Brown comes back, understanding that they're going to have Hollywood Brown and Nuke. What happens to that role within this offense? Is Hollywood going to play this role where he's going to be more short yardage, where he's going to be take over any of those roles? Or is Rondell Moore's, Rondell Moore's role safe within this offense because the way they plan to utilize those two outside receivers is different? I don't know. And I also don't know what the absence of Zach Ertz means because that's one right, less very thing. heavily yeah. targeted yep. player that uh, is no longer available for Arizona. It could be that they try to make Trey McBride their second round pick this year the Zach Ertz clone. We'll see. But it also may be that, hey, the tight end target share goes from whatever percentage it was, probably like 2022 to 12 to 14. And that's more targets there available for Rondell Moore and Hollywood Brown and DeAndre Hopkins. They're going to be a sneaky, fun yeah, offense for fantasy the last month of the season. Like Rondell Moore. I think I'm a little too low on him this week. I have him as wide receiver 19. I think I need to move him up a little bit. But still. But not against lineup that. block though, right? He's, starting he's a lineup yeah, block. He's I, a lineup block. I think block, those so. that range there is like fairly like I've got him at fourteen. I don't think that I see him in a totally different light than you do. Yeah. We're in that same range. Just a bit more optimistic. I just yeah. hope he doesn't have a super good game on Monday night. No, you but here's what he wants. Here's I get eight <laughs> catches, sixty seven yards, yeah. no touchdowns. No touchdowns. Nearly fifteen okay. fantasy points. Yeah. No harm, no foul I can there, live with right? That. Yeah, yeah. Fifteen points. Goodbye me. Goodbye your forty ers Forty ers are gonna win, by the way. Yeah. Um, Stadio Azteca, Monday Night Stadio Football. Stadio Azteca, yeah. The 49ers are now training ESPN. in Colorado Springs this week to get acclimated to yes. the altitude. Well, they, it's, do, you know, do you know what the elevation is at Estadio Azteca? Isn't it like a mile high? 
It's 7,500 feet. Wow. 7,503. So that's so over a mile. Take, yeah. yeah, so take Denver and multiply by Smart. one and a half, basically. <laughs> it's yeah, a real thing. No, it's, a, it's the highest altitude place that anyone will play. It's I believe a lot of, the, the lot Cardinals of are staying a lot home of field this goals. week, right? <laughs> yeah, this <laughs> will be a good week for Robbie Gold and whoever I, kicks for the yeah, Cardinals. Yeah, no kidding. Probably what? Matt Prater is. Tristan Viscaino was cut this yesterday. I'd be trying to be in altitude for as long as I could before going there. That's a big adjustment. Anyway. Speaking of altitude, Stefania. Speaking of altitude. Hey, you're welcome for setting that up. Uh, thank you. We got another <laughs> couple wide receivers here, and Cortland Sutton is one of the guys that we want to talk about. Is this as much about Cortland Sutton as it is about Jerry Judy, or is this more about just Cortland Sutton, Sutton in a it's, silo? It's both, um, and I put it on here again, like Field said earlier, this isn't me saying go out and start Cortland Sutton because with Jerry Judy ailing, all of a sudden Cortland Sutton is going to massively uh, light up your fantasy roster. It's more the question of, what do you think about Cortland Sutton going forward? Because it hasn't been good so far. He has not been a top 25 wide receiver in a game since week four. And this is the guy we were hearing during training camp, had this great chemistry with Russell Wilson. He was the preferred target for Russell Wilson. He was the one who was going to thrive in this offense, and it really hasn't happened. Now, last week, Jerry Judy gets hurt, has an ankle injury, and leaves fairly early. And Cortland Sutton ends up with a season-high 11 targets. Like, apparently, he had um, – a he had that one other time this season, but still here's my concern. Russell Wilson still meh in terms of the performance there. Cortland Sutton's getting all the attention mm -hmm. because who else are they looking at? KJ Hamler's been out hurt. Mm -hmm. Not in the really change. Patrick was lost for the season. Yep. And so Cortland Sutton becomes the biggest threat. They're not worried about anybody else. So how does Cortland Sutton fare? Even if Judy, whether Judy is there or Mrs. Time and, and is it Dolce? Pronouncing it right, Dolchich. Yeah. I mean, he might be a more sneaky, fun play just because he seems to be um, getting some attention there. I just don't have a ton of confidence with Cortland Sutton, and I feel like yeah. this should be a better place for him going forward, but I don't feel like it is. Here's a reason why I'm more optimistic than you is separate and apart from Jerry Judy, their schedule's been off against wide receivers. Go through some of the teams they've played so far this year. The Seahawks, we know all of a sudden have a very frisky young secondary. How about that secondary, by the way? We started at the beginning, not to interrupt you, Field. I just yeah, did no, that good. thing. Okay, like, we, started at the <laughs> we started at the beginning of the year talking about how easy it was to beat the Seahawks secondary, and they've yeah. really turned it around. It's not just mm -hmm. Geno in that yeah. offense. But Cortland Sutton sort of hit his slide, by the way. So he goes, Seahawks, Texans, he was solid. San Francisco, he was solid there as well. Yeah, and that was the that crazy was a game, weird right? Game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we have the Raiders, who he was fine against when they played all the way back in week four. He scored, he scored his only touchdown right. of the season there. But then the Colts, they're awesome in the secondary. Yep. Chargers, who a little more up and down. They were the Jets, hurt very good. Mike's talk about great. Mike has talked about the the Tyson Campbell shadow in Jacksonville, Jacksonville. all of a sudden become a problem. Yep. This past week, Tennessee, and he was back on track, eleven targets, and against in a good matchup there. So everything Stefania said is valid. I am trying to will my way into believing Cortland Sutton more, just because the schedule does lighten up going forward. Heck yeah! I mean, I would love to be able to see it happen. We it's still Russell Wilson under center. You never know. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I, don't I can't know. tell you if you're trying you to You never know. You don't or? know. That's the yeah, problem is well, you don't know. There, yeah. You really don't know. Uh, let's talk about one more wide receiver here. And this is just one where I want to say just I'm stoked. C.D. Lamb, we've talked about this. Third-year wide receivers, mm -hmm. right? How we're looking for them to be able to take that next step, that, that next legitimate step to superstardom. Yeah. And C.D. Lamb, in spite of the fact that he has not had Dak Prescott for the entire season, leads the NFL 
in target share. It's been great. CD Lamb is five games with 10 or more targets this season. Last week, he had 11 for 150 and two touchdowns. His other two games since Dak returned, five for 77 and a touchdown and four for 70. He is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. And in spite of the fact that he had a subpar quarterback on a running team for what felt like half of this first half of the season, he is still a top five wide receiver. The dude is unreal. I just am excited about CeeDee Lamb and his prospects because if this was a healthy Dak Prescott, if this Cowboys team was clicking, you would see and I think be talking about CeeDee Lamb in a completely different light than we did because of who they had under center for like five weeks. It's been incredible. Really fun to watch has been CeeDee Lamb. Uh, I'll move forward to the next guy, which is Derek McKinnon for the Chiefs. And I think in fantasy football, it's important to know that sometimes it's what you need. And what you need from, uh, in some cases, is not a guy that you can guarantee you will push for 20 fantasy points at a game or even 25 or whatever, maybe even 15. But sometimes by weeks, and we do have another week coming up eventually with six teams on a bye, you're going to need a player that you can play in your flex spot or if you're playing a deeper, your second flex spot, even a running back, a second running back for the week. And you're saying, if I could just get 10 points from this guy, I'd mm-hmm. feel great about it. Mm-hmm knowing that you probably have no shot at 20. And I think Jarek McKinnon is kind of that example right now because Jarek McKinnon, who has back-to-back games with six catches, is going to be the lead pass-catching back for the Chiefs. Who knows if CEH will even be active on Sunday night? We played four snaps this past week, obviously a non-factor in their game against the Jaguars. If Jarek McKinnon is going to get the up-tempo passing game opportunities and he has the chance for somewhere between four and six catches per week, which I think seems reasonable enough, especially with Isaiah Pacheco as a limited pass catcher at this stage of his career, then I think Jerick McKinnon, who was available on waivers last night, is an interesting flex consideration. I've got him as running back 27. I actually have him ranked higher than Pacheco this week. I think I might be the only ESPN ranker that way. And if you need 10 fantasy points, that's the kind of player you should be targeting. You have, you have, no, I'm laughing because I see you have him over Melvin Gordon. And like, that's, that is where we are. It's where we are. It's where you know, we the, are. And, and it's, you know, it's certainly the, the, the Broncos are on a full on committee now. And that could increase more, by the way, like Chase Edmonds may play more just his second game with Denver. It's, it's I'll say this sledding. part of what's made me nervous is one of the stats on here. that says he's yet to have more than 10 touches in a game. This Doesn't season. matter. And you talk about the pass catching upside, which is great. I do wonder if you say, hey, maybe CEH doesn't even play this game, if he actually got more snaps and that number rose to 12 or yeah. 50, like, I don't know. It doesn't matter to me. Like, I, 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 when I look at him, almost every touch he gets, almost every one of them is a target or a catch. Just high efficiency. So if I told you, like, there's a different way to look at that, is that he may not have 10 touches in a game this season, but he may have, and I'd have to check this, five games with at least six targets. Maybe it's eight games, at least six targets. And that to me is the much more valuable part of Jarek McKinnon. Again, I'm looking for 10 fantasy points. I'm not looking for 20, I'm looking for 10. And I think McKinnon's a good bet for 10 fantasy. Points. Yeah. I thought for sure at the beginning of the season that AJ Dillon was going to be a guy that you'd count on for 10 fantasy points every single game with the nah. way that they talked about utilizing him in the yeah. passing game here. And boy, was you I wrong. You had one week where you looked really, really smart. Real smart. And then, and then after it's this, been, it's just like, it, but, holy yeah, cow. Part of it is a function of the he team, is, too. He has not scored since week <laughs> one. 11.1 carries and 12 touches per game. He's had no growth. You want to look at what he was from last year to this year. You want to see growth. You want to see steps where he's getting more utilized in this offense. He's either getting more carries, yeah. more goal line usage, or more work in the passing game. He's not getting any of that. And with the way that this offense is working... 
or should I say not working? Yeah. Like AJ Dillon has been a major victim of that. And I just, it's crushed a ton of my leagues where I have had AJ Dillon as like my third running back or my hero RB two running back that we've talked about. And he is still, we're just in this tough spot. It's a tough spot for me. Yeah. I doubt that they'll decrease his <laughs> workload very much if at all going forward. But when you watch the Packers, I continue to think that there's one player who's different from the rest on their offense. And that's Aaron Jones, who's yep. just such a tremendous player and just so good with the football as a runner, as a receiver, makes guys miss. He is powerful. He does everything as a running back. He's a true, I think, star back. But the counterpoint is what every NFL head coach tell you is that Derrick Henry is a unicorn, right? And you got to be careful with how you manage these guys' touches. Do I think the Packers could be wise to consider like 10% of the touches going to A.J. Dillon instead going to Aaron Jones? Yes. Am I certain that will happen? Probably not. Probably not. But it's clear that Aaron Jones is the star of that offense. Yeah, unfortunately for me. All right, Stefania, let's talk about Damian Pierce because oh, you were high on him and he's right, actually listen. performed for fantasy managers. I love nothing more than to talk about Damian Pierce. Anybody who's watched the show since the preseason knows this. And really, this was a question of... Eno Benjamin has entered the conversation. And this was a huge surprise to me. And I know I, I sent Field, I sent you a note because I was like, Field knows things like this. What happened? Why yeah. did why why is Eno Benjamin suddenly no longer with the Arizona Cardinals? But he we knew he'd quickly find a home. Well, now he's with the Houston Texans. And Eno Benjamin's talented running back. So I thought, am I concerned? Because Damian Pierce has been so productive. Let me just tell you a little bit about how productive he's been. 75.1% of Houston's running back touches this season is what Damian Pierce has. He ranks sixth overall, and that's with a slow week one. Remember in week one, it was all Rex Burkhead, very little Damian Pierce, and we talked about how Lovey Smith said he expected Damian Pierce to be more involved, and we thought that's not just coach speak, the way he was saying it. This is going to change, and sure enough, his utilization has just gone up steadily since then, and it's paid off. He's been incredible. His passing game utilization has improved. He has three games with at least 80 rushing yards and 20 receiving yards. And by the way, he's tied with three other players in the league for the most such games. You know who they are? Tell me. Derrick Henry. Okay. He's heard of him. Yeah. Saquon Barkley. He's pretty good too. Dalvin Cook. Yeah. I'd say that's pretty good company. That's pretty good company. And because Damian Pierce has been so productive because of the way he runs, if you've watched him, I... I don't think that he's losing a lot to, you know, Benjamin, if anything, I think Rex Burkhead is odd man out potentially here. Um, and it's insurance It's great insurance for Damian Pierce to have, you know, Benjamin there. I don't know about you guys, what you think, but, uh, I was wondering when I saw him go there and it's interesting because what I've been trying to piece together, it feels like, you know, Benjamin was vocal about his lack of utilization when James Connor returned and yeah. that was enough for them to cut ties, which, Surprises me because I thought, well, hey, Oof. you guys, uh, there's no guarantee that James Conner is going to stay fully healthy. Yeah. And by the way, maybe part of the reason that he hasn't been is because he was never meant to be a full-time back. But right. I digress into that conversation. <laughs> Still, you know, Benjamin going to Houston, is he? he's probably not going to get a ton of I don't more think he work. chips away in a major yeah. way for Damian Pierce. I think Damian has settled in very comfortably to somewhere between like RB9 and RB15 in our weekly rankings. And here, so that elite, elite rushing attempts, right? I mean, he's a great runner as well. Top five rusher, I think both in terms of attempts and rushing yards so far this season. The only reason why he's not quite in that very top tier is that the the passing game is not like 
top of the line. Like over the past two weeks, he had a game with zero catches and he had a game with two catches. So we're not talking about like on average five targets per week for Damian Pierce hasn't scored a rushing touchdown in four straight games. Those are the only, those are the reasons why as much as we all love and Stefania more so than anybody, Damian Pierce, that's why he's not quite in that. Like, all right, if we're doing a redraft right now, our first round is Austin Eckler and Jonathan Taylor. Well, Jonathan Jonathan Taylor, yes. (laughs) Um, But, Nick Chubb and, you know, Derrick Henry and a couple others, I'm sure. Just, you know, Alex Part of it's the offense Cook. he plays in, too, because it, yeah. it sputters well, without him. And then we've got the disgruntled well, Brandon Cooks, you know, other, it, you know, other one, people yeah. banged up. I mean, I'd like to see Nico Collins get more involved because I think oh, he's talented. Oh, you and me both. But, yeah. you know, I... On the on their offense, so he's been doing a lot and doing a lot in the ground, which also helps them uh, try to keep the ball in their hands. Yep. But anyway, I think he's I, I, the main reason for bringing him up in this conversation to me was he's been so good. But they brought over Eno Benjamin, who's talented. He's not just a a, a, a guy. I, and so I wanted to make sure we're comfortable that he's not really going to chip in. I and I don't think he is. I wouldn't think that he does from that standpoint. I, I don't know how you could how you could say that. I don't know. I've been watching Damian Pierce run, and it'd be hard to not continue right. to give Damian Pierce the rock. It's you know what I mean? Watch. All right, let's talk about the. Uh, I want to talk about the Patriots running backs. Did you guys remember no. way back at the beginning of draft <laughs> season when yeah. Ramondre Stevenson was drafted as player number ninety-eight in awesome. the tenth round? Now he's running back ten on the season. And we had this conversation about what's it going to look like, Ramondre Stevenson, Damian Harris. You know, we were going back and forth. And it really was one of those situations where, Field, you talked about this a lot, a lot of talent within Ramondre Stevenson, especially in the pass-catching game. And if there was ever a chance where he was going to get the full workload, what was he going to do with it? And he took that full workload basically away from Damian Harris, and he has proven, hey, man, this is my backfield now, and I am the guy. I just wanted, it's more of a shout-out because we had talked about it. As a reminder, he was a 10th-round draft pick. And he's doing so unbelievable this year. It's an awesome year for Ramondre Stevenson. We'd have to go look. I almost feel like when you do a, like, who's been the best value in fantasy conversation, you almost have to bracket it, right? Like the guys that were like not drafted at all, right? That's yeah. one category. Then you've got guys that were say, of the top 50 picks, who was the best value? Of picks 51 through 100, who was the best value? And my guess is that Ramondre would be in that conversation. And we're at the point of the season with the way the Patriots offense is functioning, that they don't have the benefit of well, let's, let's, let's do some things to try to make, like, let's retweak. Let's, let's tweak some stuff here. No, no. When Ramondre Stevenson is, is your best offensive player and you're struggling on offense, more is what you need more from Ramondre Stevenson. So he's been exceptional. He'll continue to be ranked right around RB 10 every single week. Unless Damian Harris gets way more involved. Yeah. Is Damian Harris, is there still health stuff going on there with Damian Harris that we need to worry about Stefania? Yeah. I mean, still questionable. He's been injured, banged up uh, with a couple of different things, including most he's significantly sick. a knee issue. Then he was sick. Yeah. The illness. So he, he's still, still questionable. I don't think he's been fully healthy, but when he's played, he, he just hasn't been able to compete with Ramondre. Well, Ramondre, yeah. Ramondre's that good. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about David Montgomery taking on the Atlanta Falcons this week. Stefania, I think, unfortunately, Khalil Herbert is part of the news here. Yeah. Khalil Herbert has a hip injury, apparently, and he's going to be out. So uh, that was, again, my reason for bringing him up was, does this change what we think about David Montgomery in this offense? And 
I'm not sure that it really does. Uh, you know, he's just not been that involved in the office. I mean, maybe because there's no Khalil Herbert, but I think that the dent in David Montgomery's value has more been Justin Fields. Mm, that's you know, good, yeah. I mean, he's the one who is, he's, he's been very efficient as a runner. He's been, a, he's been, I don't know if prolific is the right word, but he's certainly been more involved in a passing game yeah. that is working. And I just don't know that the Khalil Herbert news changes what we've seen in sort of the decline of David Montgomery. Weekly finish has declined in four straight games. Um, I just don't feel great about it. Well, I think for Montgomery, the it feels like there's been more and more of Khalil Herbert, but Montgomery's still getting, you know, like 15 to 20 touches per right. game. So I think that maybe it increases the workload for Montgomery a smidge. I also think you're going to see, and get ready to hear this name a bunch, Tristan Ebner play uh-huh. more for the mm. Bears. He's a rookie, six-round pick this past season, so wouldn't surprise me if Ebner takes over the Herbert-type role. And just a bummer for Khalil Herbert because he's such a talented player. Stefania obviously knows much more than I do about hip injuries, but there's not a massive range of hip injuries. Usually they're not not good. Well, so and it's also, well, within it, we don't know what the specifics are. And so, you know, you've got something from like what Jamar Chase has to whether it's a soft tissue, like we just don't know. But bad enough, and just, you know, this is sort of like minutia, but bad enough that on Tuesday of the week, they said IR, right? Right, A lot of teams will wait until Saturday. It's, hey, he's going to probably miss four games. So we'll, but we'll get through the week and see whether we need to create the rock. Do we, do we not? So they went quickly to as it, much yeah. as I love and I have talked up Khalil Herbert because I think he just looks like the more explosive player in this offense. Last two weeks, snap split is 86 to 43. David Montgomery, like it's not really that close. Now he's been the David man. Montgomery so is still the guy. Is gonna he the is guy the guy, him, but yeah. he hasn't. He hasn't been doing the same much. things with his snaps. All right, let's talk about a couple of tight ends here. Yeah, we're up through these. We want to talk about here. Dalton Schultz. Yeah. yeah, that was me. So just quickly, just uh, Dalton Schultz. Um, Dak Prescott has brought him back to life. Yep. Obviously, Schultz, his his own injury limited him a bit, but it's just so obvious. You just watch the game, and I, Dak I don't know looks for him. Dak he just is, finds him. Yeah, and I, I agree. If you've been waiting for it, and you've been waiting for it, and you've been waiting for it, it's paid off. Dalton Schultz, in a, in, a, in a season now where you've got so many injuries. The list of tight ends that I am for certain taking over Dalton Schultz, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, maybe TJ Hawkinson. That's about it. So Dalton Schultz's value has skyrocketed it's with Dak's nice, return. Nice dovetail for Dalton Schultz to start to feel better yep. as Dak is 20 targets back. over his past three games for Dalton Schultz, including 15 over the past two. Wouldn't surprise Love me that. if that number stays steady. He's a lock it in tight end the rest of the way. If you dropped him earlier on this season, I get it. It was Really rough sledding for Dalton Schultz, but I think what we learned is that it was much more about the players around him, the quarterback around him, than it was anything changing with Dalton Schultz. He's a really talented guy. He's going to get paid a whole bunch of money yep. this offseason. It wasn't Cooper Rush's fault. I kept I couldn't think of Cooper Rush's name. I kept thinking Ben DiNucci in my yeah. head. And I was like, ben I know DiNucci, that's not right. XFL quarterback Ben DiNucci. So, yeah. Uh, let's talk about another tight end, Foster Moreau. Yeah, Stefania. Field already mentioned him earlier in the show, and I I like Foster Moreau as uh, you know. Look, if you're desperate for tight end, and chances are you are, unless you have one of the three that Field <laughs> just referenced. But he's been running a lot of routes. Uh, I, I I think you're going to see his name come up a little bit more. Look, this offense has had its own share of struggles, but Darren Waller remains out with a hamstring injury. Foster Moreau, the clear replacement for him. Um, if you're desperate, I think you could do worse than Foster Moreau because at least he's an upside play. And this week you have the Patrick Sertan versus Devontae Adams shadow, which you're still starting Devontae Adams, but 
if Derek Carr is wise, which he is, he will look other directions more frequently. So I like Moreau as well as a Moreau and Matt Collins. Uh, Matt Collins did not quite deliver yeah. last week in that. I mean, it's just, I almost, you know what? And I know we got to move on. I'll go talk about my, I almost put Hunter Renfro on this list. Cause I just want to talk about like what happened. Like well, Hunter Renfro was, so I know, he's on I, I, know I know, but like this entire season is, it was weird because he was so trusted last year. And then he came year. in and like, it's like Devonte Adams. Got, All right. We'll eh, keep whatever. it moving. I want to talk really quickly about Tua Tungavailoa. He is on a bye this week. However, three straight weeks as a top five quarterback, 285 passing yards and three touchdowns in three straight. He's the Seems only player good. to do that this season. I can't believe that like we just didn't have say, more conviction this oh, offseason. Uh, okay, I can't believe that I didn't have more conviction uh, this offseason because there was it's this idea of, oh man, can he throw the ball deep I enough? Like who never, cares? He's got so many good guys around him. But I think we talked about that in the preseason. We did talk about that. We said that he had good weapons around him, that he really never got a fair shot when he was starting. He was coming off the hip injury. I mean, I remember yeah. talking about this and saying it's a lot tougher to come. People were talking about his ability to throw. It was like he could never drive through his leg. He only started feeling like himself, like Alabama days coming into this season. So um, I think the value of having that Mike McDaniel who believed in him and kind of setting him up for success in the offense that they're running. Um, yeah. It was huge. Getting Tyreek and Jalen Waddle. I, I mean, if, if people still are doubters are not watching. No, football. no, no, no. I, it's just the idea. I love, I just love what Tua has been able to do this year in spite of the I fact he's had a lot of I love that he was able to tune out. You especially know, because with the for, middle of the year. I mean, right. he went through a huge, yeah. you know, all the concussion yeah. stuff and yeah. whatnot. So. All right, we're going to come back and talk news or noise. But first, Stefania, I want you to tell me about Geico. Well, Daniel, Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course. of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. Football season brings back many traditions that we know and love, like the pick six game-winning field goals, touchdown dances. You saw me do that Jamal Williams touchdown dance, guys. It was pretty fantastic. And watching it all with friends and a cooler full of Miller Lite. The action on the field is reliable year after year. So pair it with the most reliable light beer. Every Sunday game time is Miller time. Kickoff, halftime, it's all Miller time. Miller time means good friends, great beer, and football all Sundays long. What's not to like? Miller Lite checks all the boxes you could ask for. That's why since 1975, it's been a mainstay in the stadium, at the tailgate, and in your fridge. No matter how your team plays, it's the beer that's always a winner. It's the Beer Drinkers Light Beer. With only 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12-ounce servings, your only concern is the next third down conversion. Football season brings back the big hits, so reach for the biggest hit of them all, Miller Lite. You can find Miller Lite pretty much everywhere beer is sold or... Go to MillerLite.com slash FFF for delivery options near you. It's Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounce servings. Extra, extra. Read all about it. News or noise? Loud noises! Don't call it a comeback. It's just the return of the news or noise segment. No big deal. That's right. You can't can't help but love news or noise. All right. We're going to talk about a handful of topics. Discuss whether or not we think they're real or not. News or noise. Pretty simple. 
We're going to start with the Buffalo Bills here, Field Yates. Can I interrupt for one second, Oh, Daniel? my gosh. Sure, Matthew. Go ahead. We just started. That, well, this is to help us out. Okay. Because News or Noise is brought to you by Geico. Switch to Geico today oh. and see all the ways that you can see. Well, now I, I feel like, yeah, one? I owe you I an apology at no, this point. Okay. Sorry about that. It's all right. But what were you asking? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. We're just we're trying to okay. keep everybody happy here. <laughs> yeah. What were you asking yes. me about? I was going to ask you about the Buffalo Bills, Field Yates. By the way, do use, many of them use Geico for not just their cars, their trucks, their snowplow. There's hey. no plows. Hey. Yeah, that's right. About the weather in Buffalo this week looks well. It looks very Buffalo-like. Uh, so the question is: Is this news or noise specific to yeah, Josh Allen and Devin Singletary? They've correct? been bad, right? Like they've they've lost two straight games from that standpoint as a team. They've yeah. looked out of sorts. But from a fantasy standpoint. Yeah. Is that think, news or noise to you? So I think there are elements of it. I think that this is actually, I say this is all noise. And here's the reason why is that there are sort of right. guys going in the opposite directions here. I know that Josh Allen only scored 19.6 fantasy points. That's more a testament to the fact that Josh Allen has set this ridiculous standard for fantasy managers, right? He had 330 passing yards. He had 84 rushing yards. Like 45 minutes before kickoff, we weren't sure whether he was going to play or not. The turnovers were a bummer. No two ways about that. It is noise. As far as Devin Singletary goes, though, I think it's also noise because while you're probably excited about those two rushing touchdowns early on in the game, he now has just one game with 15 or more carries this entire season. Didn't even reach that this past Sunday. Minimal passing game utilization. This Bills offense runs for fantasy purposes through two and a half players. Stephon Diggs, who was great. And then Gabe Davis, who had a nice nice game. Six catches, 93 yards, and a touchdown. And we know with Gabe Davis, he is like the younger cousin of Mike Williams. I think it's noise for the Buffalo Bills. Don't be concerned. Don't be down about Josh Allen. If I get 19.6 fantasy points out of my quarterback most weeks, this year especially, I feel pretty good about it. It's your point. He came into the game. We didn't know if he was going to play. We literally didn't know until through minutes, the war. Yeah. And then not even 45. We just knew he was going to be active. We didn't know he was going to start until late. Not only did you get him for a full game, you got him for five quarters. Yeah. So your fantasy production this week was maybe better than it could have been given the turnovers. I think people are worried about the turnovers. It's been a few games where he's gotten a little wild. But I think also what happened in this game is going to settle him down a little bit. And he's still going to get you points with his legs. Josh Allen 84 is going to right, crazy. He, right. So... You're not complaining. I'm no. not worried about him. I think that for them, from a football perspective, they're going to write the ship, and that's only going to help with the fantasy production. All right, let's talk about the next guy, Donovan Peoples-Jones. And I'll be honest, I could go either way. I could oh. say that this is noise because I feel like we've been on Donovan Peoples-Jones maybe the last week or two. Maybe if you listen to the CSS DFS podcast, you've heard Al Zeidenfeld mm-hmm. talk about him a ton. But I think for most people, this is news because Donovan Peoples-Jones has come on and become a legitimate fantasy asset for these Cleveland Browns with the way that he has become a true part of this passing game, Stefania. He used to be only Amari Cooper. Yep. That was the only pass catcher we were talking about in the Cleveland Browns. And then we got a hint of David Njoku, but we couldn't rely on that because unfortunately he got hurt. And so mm-hmm. he's been absent a little bit. And the, and Donovan Peoples-Jones has kind of stepped up and taken that second receiver role. So I think it is news because we've been waiting a few weeks to see if it would continue. So now people are buying in, but it has. Yeah. Not a whole lot to add other than, yes, it is new. 70-plus receiving yards in four straight games for Donovan Peoples-Jones. A talented guy, by the way. Had yeah. some pedigree coming out of Michigan. And 
The Browns, because of the way their defense is playing, and this could be the case on Sunday, assuming it's not an absolute blizzard, may have to be throwing it a ton again against Buffalo. All right, Field, here's the next one. Juwan Johnson, tight end, is such a hard position. He's got four touchdowns over the last two weeks. Is this news or no? Yeah, so it's news against the backdrop of two of the top five tight ends in fantasy going out for an extended period of time, if not the entire season, and Zach Gertz and also Dallas Goddard, because options are very, very, very thin on top of the guys that were either already struggling, like Kyle Pitts, or just not entirely healthy, like Mark Andrews right now, who I think will play on Sunday, but still banged up so it's news for me um in in this regard if you're looking for a tight end that has the opportunity to find the end zone juan johnson that fits the bill the saints have all kinds of pass catcher injuries they have all season long juan johnson's a converted tight a wide receiver to a tight end he's a good athlete uh he has made some people sweat because of needing production from him two weeks ago and he scored that long touchdown late in the fourth quarter. But yes, a reasonable option. Like he's like a top 15-ish tight end for me. Sure. You're, you're hoping for a touchdown though. Yeah. Yep. Uh, because without it, uh, he's yet to have 45 receiving yards in a game this yep. season. So not a high volume, but opportunity there. Um, better than Taysom Hill. Oh, that must have <laughs> hurt to I say, Stefania. It, it hurt, but that you hurt. know, I'm honest. Yeah, I'm nothing this is why not we love you. That's people. right. So I will admit, Taysom Hill was enticing for for a bit, but uh, Jamon Johnson is the bigger threat to score. Will you be honest with us about Tom Brady as to whether or not this last performance that he had, he had two touchdowns. Tom Brady threw two passing touchdowns, Stefania. Is that news or noise? I think it's news. He's been terrible this year. And all of a sudden, he looked more like Tom Brady of old to me. This is Tom Brady getting off the schneid and finally feeling himself. If you watched him at all during that game in Munich, he looked like he flipped the switch. Like he was like, oh yeah, this is what's happening. And maybe getting in better sync with his receivers. A lot of them have been out injured back and forth field. And I think, you know, Chris Godwin, I really like in the back half of the season. Um, even Julio Jones could get involved. Russell Gage still out, but I think the pass catchers are doing better about being where they need to be. Yeah. Tom Brady looked better. Uh, as long as he's throwing the ball and not catching it. Sadly, not quite there yet, right? Because like this was an offense that last year was just such a hum. Like they just completely hummed all season long. And Tom Brady would coast past 25 points with regularity. He's only got one game over 20 points this year. So not quite there yet for Tom Brady. It was encouraging. And I'm hopeful that they come out of their bye with a favorable schedule, by the way, and play much better. Not totally sold on Brady yet. I need to see one more game. I do think I am excited to be able to see the trend, though, because yeah, this is, think, he I needed to have he this. Need, I feel like for him, this was a big deal. It was mm. sort of a turn the page moment. I, I can think. buy that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Little Seeger love there. I love that. Stefania. Yeah, you know, that's, right. that is his best. Song, that is. You're not, you're not wrong. All right. Last <laughs> one that we have here. Field Jates, the Indianapolis Colts, just as a whole, from a fantasy perspective, we watched Jeff Saturday take over this team. Jonathan Taylor looked like the running back that we used to know. Matt Ryan threw less than 30 passes, which is what everyone wants. Is this news or noise with a Jeff Saturday led Colts? So happy for Jeff and happy they got the win. I think they'll play tough on Sunday against Philly, by the way. I think this is more about for the pass catchers. It's about Matt Ryan. It's not about the coach. Uh, it's about Matt Ryan, which I guess is an extension of the coach's decision because Matt Ryan can actually function a passing offense, yeah. right? I mean, he is a still a, a player that can, can can chuck it around the yard, even if he is a declining player overall. Uh, and Paris Campbell, like Pittman again on Sunday, very busy. Paris Campbell has been super busy with Matt Ryan as his quarterback over his past three starts. Jonathan Taylor, though, that's not about the quarterback. Jonathan, I mean, it, it, you know, it's a little bit about the quarterback. It's about the fact that teams can no, no longer say, all right, we're going to stack the box with every player we have yeah. available. Right. It's about Jonathan Taylor being healthy. It's about the offensive line getting its act together and playing like it should. And it's about the, you know, the, this past week, like taking advantage of Ra- Raiders run defense that I think is okay. And by the way, 
rest of their season, they have one matchup against a defense that is currently top 15 in terms of rush yards allowed per game. So I think good days are ahead for Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. You also, on that note, go check out Mike Clay's strength of schedule matrix. If you mm. follow him at Mike Clay NFL, he has a bunch of great nuggets when it comes to why that. Does Mike have all kinds of cool nuggets on everything. I don't know, but why do you always wear the nicest pants and nicest shirts, Field? You guys are and just so nice. And not to mention nice. the snowman socks. Oh, man, that's so Big great. Look. Let's go. Um, I have a question for you. All right, bring it. 2000, 2008, 2022. When it comes to the economy, those are some scary years. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. yes. Okay, because the dot-com crash, housing crash, and the roller coaster we're going through right now, one thing is certain, it's a dangerous time to not know your numbers. But over 31,000 businesses have the confidence and clarity they need because they rely on NetSuite by Oracle, the number one cloud financial system. NetSuite gives you visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, and budgeting so you can manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need, all in one place. So how do you prepare for uncertain times? The answer, NetSuite. NetSuite helps you identify rising costs, automate your business processes, and easily see where to save money. That's why 93% of customers say they, they improved their visibility and control when they upgraded to NetSuite. What are you waiting for? Right now, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind special financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash FFF right now. NetSuite.com slash FFF. That's again, NetSuite.com slash FFF. Yo, a jam-packed show. We just dumped out the bucket on a bunch of stuff we've been wanting to talk about all year long. So shout out to Field and Stefania. Thank you so much for hanging out with all of us here today. Please remember how much we love you guys. We cannot wait to see you tomorrow. Tomorrow's show is going to be Thursday night preview. We've got wide receiver cornerback with Mike Clay. We're going to preview a whole bunch of games, talk about some fun squirrel stock stuff. we got a really good Thursday show planned. So for everybody on the crew, we love you guys. Please be kind to yourself. We can't wait to see you tomorrow. We'll see you on Thursday's show. It's no secret, not a mystery. The one that we depend on for all our podcast needs. Graduate, full sell you. Alliance fan through and through. With the hippest beard, I'm telling you. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA.